Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. All right, Flyover family. David, are you ready for this? Oh, my my heart's ready. My mind's ready. I'm excited. I am so excited about today's episode. I think this is part six. This is the sixth time uh, that we have actually had on this specific person to go through what we are calling Lost Art Hidden Messages God is Speaking. Welcome to the show, Aaron Anton. Oh, thank you, David and Stacy. Thank you guys for having me on again today. I'm so excited to share today. This has been a lot of fun getting together with you guys. You are great encouragers. You get me excited about what I'm coming to share. So thank you guys for that. Uh, absolutely. We really do love yeah. this, Aaron. As we were, you know, just preparing, getting ready for the show today, we're like, ah. Oh. I'm so excited. Aaron is going to be on. This is a time that you are talking about, obviously, art that your dad um, has created, created many years ago, and it was lost for a while. Yeah. You found it, and now we're sharing these messages, and it's so powerful, but you're, you are taking the, they're, they're like, um, you, David calls them Easter eggs. Yeah. You know, it's like you're finding yeah. these little things in the paintings and pointing them out, and it just brings the stories to life, things that we've read about in the Bible. It really comes to life through your dad's art, and it's truly an honor to be able to have a platform that we can host this for everyone in the Flyover family to be able to see it. Oh, yeah. And I totally agree, Dave. It is like little Easter eggs. But isn't that just how God's word is, too? Like he's hidden so many things yeah. in there for us to discover that the whole Bible is that way. It just comes alive. And interestingly, the more we pursue it and pursue him, the more he reveals to us. And so it's just my honor to be able to come on here and talk about this. Um, in past episodes, obviously, I've covered in great detail the whole story of how it was lost, and then we found the paintings. But, um, you know, I'll just correct one thing, Stacy. You said my dad painted these paintings, and if you hear the whole story of just how they were created, I know that these paintings were painted by the hand of God. Woo. My dad just happened to be the vessel that it came through. And so I just pray that my life is the same way that when I, my time here on earth is over, that people say, you know, what he did in his life was just God working wow. through him and he, he got out of the way. And I feel like that's what my dad did with these paintings. So I know that, you know, people probably see the website there. You can go on there and you can get, you know, copies of the prints we've gone over in the past. You can um, get the one we're going to go over today at shawholmes.com forward slash paintings. And then you also get, if you use the flyover code, you get 48% off, which would make it $77 for one of those prints. And uh, I will send it to you wherever you want it sent. So um, hopefully you guys get those prints and you go share them with other people. I mean, the whole idea behind this is to have an opportunity to share your faith with other people. You know, you have it hanging on your living room wall or in your study at your office, at work, whatever it might be. Somebody comes in and goes, oh, what's that painting about? You can take these messages and share them with other people. And that's kind of the whole yeah. point behind and, it. And Rochley heading yes. closer to Christmas now. I mean, it's not Christmas time yet, but if you're one of these people that typically you're like, oh, I had to get something for my father-in-law or something for somebody. And you're like, 
you waited till too late and then you have to give them a, a you, you printed out a picture of what's coming in three or four days you know this is this is what you're gonna like like we've all been like, there you can break that trend now and plan ahead and you're like wow i was thought i've had this for months i've been so excited to to give it to you and and as a painter just to toot your dad's horn a, mom, a moment he, he he painted for uh ducks unlimited and and so uh, as, as as renowned of a person like the Tom Brady of that world, I mean, as, as many achievements and accolades as anybody can ever mm-hmm. get for his craft, yeah. he did. And then God just shifted his direction and said, I want you to do these paintings for me. And so the the, the quality of it, the mm-hmm. imagery, the, the use of light, the way it kind of comes across almost like a Thomas Kincaid painting in some ways that, you know, the painter of light is, is usage of these things. And then, uh, the, the backstory of every painting is, is given to you in a, in written form. And then, and then there's additional things to that, that we, we break down on these episodes with Aaron. So it's kind of a cool gift that you could give to somebody. There's a meaning behind mm-hmm. it, a lot of depth to it. It's not just checking off a box. It, it, it has a lot. Then you can even give them the episode that talks about that specific yeah. painting. So it makes it, you know, a, a you get a lot more value, you know, than mm-hmm. just the, the the dollar spent. It's a great gift. And if you want to see past oh. episodes, you can go to theflyoverapp.com. All of the episodes are together. You just go to Lost Art, Hidden Images, God is Speaking, and all of our past six, I guess it'd be five previous to that, and this one will be in there. So six of them will be there. So you can see all of them. If you missed any in the past, you want to hear it because they are very powerful and it really does bring the Bible to life. So, all right, Aaron, what are we going to talk about today? I cannot wait to learn. All right. All right. Well, you know, a lot of people don't know that there was a very pivotal change in the ministry of Jesus as he went through his entire earthly ministry. It happens in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 through 37. That is where the pivot happens. And if you've ever gone through the book of Matthew, you may not have even realized it because when we read with our Gentile eyes, sometimes we don't hear what's said through the Hebrew culture. Mm -hmm. And so there was a very pivotal moment that happened. If you go back and read the book now, after I'm telling you this, you'll realize that in the first 12 chapters, Jesus was trying to talk to the house of Israel. He was talking to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And everything he was doing, he was trying to show them through signs and wonders. He was showing them through very clear and direct teaching. Like if you look at the Sermon on the Mount and some of the ways that he taught, it was very literal teaching. Well, then we get to Matthew chapter 12 and something pivotal happens. And after this pivotal moment, from that point forward, Jesus was done speaking to the house of Israel. He didn't speak to them for the rest of the book. From chapter 13, the parable of the sower is the beginning of it. And literally, the disciples come to him and go, what are you doing? We invited all these people here to hear you teach. It's kind of like if you were telling your buddy, hey, I got this guy you got to hear. He's the most amazing speaker you're ever going to hear. And then they show up and he's like the Riddler. You know, if you ever watched the Riddler from Batman when you were a kid, you're like, you know, I didn't even understand any of those riddles. And even after they would explain it in the Batman episode, I was yeah, I remember like, that. I don't understand. What? Those are the old Adam but, West ones. Yeah. 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 And then it's like, so Jesus like literally becomes the Riddler and all the people are just scratching their head. Can you imagine the conversations like, you know, Peter invited like his in-laws to come <laughs> check it out. And then he's, they're like, we didn't understand a single thing he said. What was he talking about? And Peter's going back to Jesus going, what are you doing, bro? Like, <laughs> you get to say yep. something they can understand, you know? So this was a moment that happened. And 
basically what happened here was that we, we, when we read it, we find out what happened was what's called the unpardonable sin. And if I just can remind you guys a little bit of this, I'm going to read a little bit of this scripture. It says in verse 22, then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? So this is a really interesting moment. The, the phrase, is this not the son of David, was reserved for them saying, it's like them saying, this is the Messiah, isn't it? This has to be the Messiah. Mm. Well, why is the trigger point for that Jesus healing a man or delivering a man who is possessed of the devil and he's blind and dumb, meaning he can't speak? It's because in Jewish culture, there were three types of miracles that Jesus or, or the Messiah would do that would let them know he was the Messiah. One of them was to cast the devil out of somebody who cannot speak. If you remember in, there's other stories in scripture where Jesus asks a demonically possessed person, what is your name? And he says, I am legion for we are many. Well, as soon as he knew the name, he could cast it out, right? right. Mm -hmm. Well, well, back in Hebrew culture, they used to be able to cast out demons by their name if the person could speak, but only the Messiah would cast a demon out when it was a dumb person who couldn't speak. So this was a messianic tip-off to them, and that's why the immediate response of the people standing there is, is this not the son of David? Is this not the Messiah? Another one is, and I won't get to the third one today, but another one oh, is... Oh, man! <laughs> the, uh, that's going to be for a different one, okay? Okay. But another, another tip-off is, is resurrecting the dead. Okay. And so this is a very interesting moment here because Jesus goes through resurrecting um, Lazarus, right? That's already happened once and they should have been tipped off then. Then he himself, of course, is resurrected later. There's one more resurrection that's coming that's a very interesting one. And this is actually the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 13. And that, remember, if you know your scripture, that is the moment when all of the Jews will realize they missed it. Mm -hmm. They missed the Messiah the first time. It's going to be when the two witnesses are killed in Revelation chapter 13, and then they're resurrected. And so um, this is a moment, though, what do they do? The, the Pharisees kind of get together and they go, what's going on here? And then in verse 24, it says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself itself shall not stand. So, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? So then if we kind of read on down, I'm going to skip down a little bit. In verse 31, it says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So mm -hmm. these are very, very harsh words that yep. Jesus uses. And if you read your scripture from this point on in Matthew, 
he starts to talk to them and say, this wicked and adulterous generation. This is a generational thing that happens to the house of Israel at this moment. If you notice from this point forward, he starts talking in parables and he only starts working with his disciples because he realizes I have to go a different route. I can't go through the house of Israel. I'm going to have to come back to them later. Now I'm going to go to the Gentiles and to the disciples. And guess what? You and I are those people. And that's still what he's doing Mm -hmm. is going through us to reach the world. Right. So this parable called the parable of the sower is in Matthew chapter 13. We get into the very next chapter there. And Jesus starts telling this parable called the parable of the sower. And It's really interesting. Jesus actually says, look, guys, this is the parable that will unlock every other parable I'm going to give you. It is literally the key to understanding the kingdom of God. If you don't know this parable, how will you know any parable? How will you know anything about how the kingdom of God works? And there were 40 parables that he went through in the following chapters. And uh, interestingly, they're in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John does not record any parables which is very interesting because if you think about it, he doesn't record any parables, but if there was ever a book that was hidden to the unbeliever, it's the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And that, I believe, is his parable book. The whole book is like opening up things to believers who can understand, and those who don't see can't see it, and those who do see can see it. So um, anyway, so in Matthew chapter 13, he goes into this parable, and I'm going to read it to you here, starting in verse 1. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. It's interesting because he literally says, I went out of the house of Israel. Mm-hmm. And he says, and sat by the sea. And in the book of Revelation, sea stands for the Gentiles. The sea, whenever they talk about the sea, is Gentiles. So he literally goes out of the house of Israel and sits by the Gentiles. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So then this next section, starting in verse 10, is where the disciples are like, what is going on? Why are you speaking? Why are you the Riddler all of a sudden? So he says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, Mm -hmm. but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. By the way, this is a tip of the hat to the parable of the talents, if you've read that scripture, um, where he takes away the talents that are given to the ones who don't use it. In verse 13, he says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and not understand, seeing you'll see and not perceive. 
For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly, and I'm going to just pause here for a moment and say in verse 16, this is the moment that all of creation has literally been waiting for. For the Son of God, for God himself to be standing in front of them. They've been worshiping this book Mm -hmm. called the Torah and the Pentateuch for centuries, waiting for God to come to them. And he's standing in front of them, speaking the very words they've longed to hear. And they literally can't hear what he's saying. This is the moment that all of creation has been waiting for. But aren't we blessed that we get to hear the very words of God and understand them? So here he explains it in verse 18. He says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some 60, and some 30. So here we have them receiving this word, and it either produces fruit or it doesn't produce fruit. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that, you know, Jesus kind of, I think sometimes people read this and they go, why did he not talk to people plainly so that they could hear? And, um, you know, there were other times that God used a similar type of thing. If you remember when the children of Israel are walking through the, the wilderness and the Egyptians are coming after them, they have the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day that separates those who don't believe from those who do believe. Mm-hmm. It's like the rear guard. It's the protection against mm-hmm. this evil. Well, that's what understanding God's word is to you. When you understand the parables, you understand how the kingdom of God works. It's your protection against the world that stands outside of that pillar of fire, right? We've got this pillar of fire called the understanding that we have. So, um, you know, why is Jesus sitting there teaching to him in in parables like this? It's because there is always going to be those people who are diligently seeking him and those who are not. And so he puts a very distinct separation, so much so that he says to the house of Israel, I'm done talking to you. I've been talking to you and you're not listening. I am done speaking to you. And he literally is done for several thousand years. That's crazy that this happens in the middle of Matthew chapter 12. And thank God it did because it opened the door for those of us who were not born into the house of Israel, right? What an honor. So, um, So he graciously, though, gives it to the disciples of Christ. They're allowed to be acquainted with what he calls the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Knowledge is the gift of God, and it's a distinguishing gift that he gives. It was given to the apostles because they were constant followers and attendants Mm -hmm. to him. Well, if you're not a constant follower and attender to his word, guess what? 
you're not going to see. The more you you push into God's word, the more you're going to see and understand. So, um, you know, the nearer we draw closer to Christ or talk with him and listen to him, the better acquainted we get with these mysteries. Mm-hmm. And, it's like any relationship, um, you know, Aaron, yeah. like if I'm spending time with David, the more time I spend with him, the more I know him, the more like, you know, even, you know, Jesus says, you know, my followers know my voice, you know, and it's like when David, like we could be in a crowded room and and he says something I could pick out of all of the people speaking, I could pick him out because I know him. But also we can communicate a lot with the subtlest thing, even just a word or, you know, just a a little thing. And Mm -hmm. we know like change the conversation, move, stay away from like, there's a, there's so much that can Mm -hmm. happen because we're so tuned in Mm -hmm. to even the smallest thing, you know, which is, you know, some people, you know, they give their testimony. Like I got to a place where God had to, you know, like his, his, his voice was so far from me, you know, that it, it was, it was hard for me, you know, versus like, you know, the, the, the smallest nudge, mm-hmm. you know, you're sensitive to a spirit. It's like, we, we've all probably been in, in one extreme or, or the other of those. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you guys know each other so well, if somebody came to Dave and said, you know, Stacy said this and it wasn't something, you know, her character to be, mm-hmm. you'd be like, she didn't say that, yep. you know, because you have that intimacy of absolutely. knowing her in a way that, you know, her character. And that's how we get with God when we let him reveal himself through his mm-hmm. word to us. So um, in this image, if you want to bring back up that image again of the painting, uh, my dad depicted these four different types of soil in the four quadrants of the picture. So on the bottom left quadrant, these are what he called the wayside folks. These are people who have immediate rejection. You can see in the lower left there, you see that shadowy figure there. You see the shadow on the ground and you can see the 13 blackbirds that are Mm -hmm. there and they are stealing away the seed from the hearer. And that shadow figure that's just outside of the scene where you can see his influence, but not tell who he is, obviously, is the deceiver. That is Satan who comes immediately to steal away the word that is sown, right? Man, these are awesome. I know. This is amazing. (laughs) So, And that's what the wayside people are. They're the ones who, when they heard, Satan comes immediately and takes it away. I mean, there's so many people we know in our lives that that's what happens. You try and share the word with them, and it's like, boom, it just hits this brick wall and comes back to you, right? Now, the top left quadrant there, these are the stony ground folks. They are the people who have immediate acceptance of the word, but delayed rejection. Other people Mm. sometimes cause their rejection. So they seem to be very attentive in this image. They're listening and hearing the word. They accept it as truth at this moment, but the falling away from that will happen later. And in the verse, it says, and these are they likewise that are sown on stony ground, who when they've heard, they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves and so endure, but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. Now, there's five different plays that the devil brings to you to try and get you off and get you away from God's word. And the first two I just pointed out are sort of that, you know, you have no root in yourself, so you immediately reject it. And that, you know, happens. And then you've got the ones who, you know, immediately receive it, but then later reject it. And both of those, you know, come from outside influences, persecution, affliction. Those are the things that cause it. The next ones that caused you to miss out on what God, God's best is for you are self, uh, you know, 
things that you bring upon yourself, unfortunately. So when we go to the bottom right quadrant here, um, or sorry, the, uh, the top right quadrant here, these are the stony ground folks. Their current circumstances cause rejection. Mm-hmm. So you yourself as the hearer cause the rejection. There's Pharisees in this group that you can see in the back right yep. corner there. Um, that notice there's a person dealing with his mules. He's trying to help, you know, with his mules he's got. There's a guy who appears to be missing a leg. There's another one who, you know, they're just talking amongst themselves. And so the idea here is that these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And there's only one out of the four categories, though, that end up being fruitful. So of the five things that cause rejection, two of them are persecution and affliction, which come from other people. The next three are self-inflicted problems, which are Mm -hmm. the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. But then there's this bottom right quadrant, which are the good ground folks. They immediately accept God's word as being true, and they have long term held on to it, and they start growing fruit in their life. I mean, we all know if we plant a tree in the ground and, you know, two, you know, two years later, you transplant it somewhere else. And a year later, you transplant it again, like you're not going to grow fruit. Nope. Long term is what grows fruit. And so... These are those that are going to produce 160 or 30 fold because they have ears to hear. So this is a thing that I think a lot of people don't really think about. But every time you hear God's word, you have an opportunity to be good ground or bad ground. Mm -hmm. Now, if you remember from the painting of the temptation, I talked about how the temptation of Christ where Satan came to him and gave him Satan's words, Jesus had an opportunity to take those words and be good ground or bad ground for those words that Satan brought to him. Just like Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. Satan came to them and he they had an opportunity to take Satan's word and let Satan's word be good ground or bad ground you know, for them. And so obviously Adam and Eve failed. Jesus did not. Yep. But this is like the reverse of the parable of the sower. So one of the things I just want to point out is like steps to getting more fruit from God's word in your life. Because I think there's a couple really simple things. The first one is so simple. I think most people will miss it. I think you got to write it down. I think you got to make it in big, bold letters. I think you got to put it on the mirror where you get ready in the morning. I think you got to put it in your car as a note on the dashboard. But it's so simple, it's so easy to miss. Mm. Are you ready for it? Ready. <laughs> you want more fruit in your life, put more seed in the ground. Mm. It's so simple. If you got a 25% chance of it producing fruit, just put more seed in the ground. Right. Read God's word more often. Don't read what other people said about God's word. Don't listen to what other people said. You read it yourself and let him speak to you. That's the whole point, right? Great. Put more seed in Mm -hmm. the ground. The seed is not the problem. You notice here, it doesn't talk about the problem with the seed. It talks about the problem with the soil. That's your heart and how it receives it. The seed is imperishable imperishable and incorruptible. It is the incorruptible seed of God's word. And don't forget, Jesus is the word himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is him literally. The second way you can do this is make the bad soil good. 
What do you do about bad soil? In a natural setting, a farmer goes out and he plucks the rocks out of the field. He pulls the weeds. He gets the cares of this world out. He gets the lust of other things under control. He gets the deceitfulness of riches under control. You can do those three things, the cares of this world, lust of other things, and deceitfulness of riches. You can get that out of your life and make the bad soil good. So put more seed in the ground and make the bad soil good. And I want to end today, I just want to kind of wrap up here with a prayer for everybody that's listening. And I I believe this is a spirit-inspired prayer, and I just want to pray it over everybody who's listening today. So Jesus, you said, blessed are we because our ears hear and our eyes see. So we ask you to open the eyes of our understanding today. We ask for you to open our ears to so that we hear the voice of your spirit, the comforter, the guide who's on the inside. We ask you to arm us with the weapons of your warfare, to arm us with your world-changing, heaven-shaking, devil-quaking, power-packed word. Make our mouths the sheath of the sword of the spirit so that we may use it to strike down the demons and devils that are holding on to the lies of this last election, the lies of this war in the Ukraine, the lies of the World Economic Forum. Let God be true and every man a liar. I call every word that rises up against your plans to nothing. I send all those plans back to the pit of hell from where they came. And I declare God's perfect will to come to full fruition in my life and in the lives of your children that are listening right now. In this world you gave us once and then gave us a second time at the cross at Calvary. I call each of the believers under the sound of this broadcast to rise up and take their position seated with Jesus in heavenly places and that they would begin to decree and declare your eternal purposes in their lives from your word this day forward, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, that is so powerful. Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Always, as always, I learned a lot. I took a bunch of notes and excited to be able to apply them. So Flyover Family, go to shawholmes.com forward slash paintings, shawholmes.com forward slash paintings. Use promo code flyover and you can get them for $77. Thanks again for your time, Aaron. We really appreciate it. Our founding fathers, of the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Flyover family, join me every Wednesday for the Prophetic Report at 1111 Central. You can find it on Rumble. You can find it on the Flyover app. We have such an incredible time of hearing from all of these different prophetic voices like Robin Bullock, Julie Green, Barry Wunsch, Amanda Grace, and Hank Kuhneman. 
every week it's either five or six different prophets that are speaking and what's interesting is God is speaking through them and all of these voices come together like puzzle pieces. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is saying. We're hearing from medical. We're hearing from military intelligence. We're hearing from the financial world. We're hearing from mainstream media. But the most important is, what is God saying? He has not fallen off the throne. He's not nervous. He's not chewing his nails. He is in control. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive. And I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111.